Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 234. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views, and reviews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thanks also to our first-time listeners. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we're glad you found us. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Samsung will reveal a new tablet that will take on the iPad. Speaking of the iPad, it's seven years since the original device was unveiled, and Optus launches a new service to make mobile calls over Wi-Fi. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Sony MDR-1000X noise-canceling headphones. We check out the new Oppo R9S smartphone and the luxury element cases for the iPhone. And we'll finish it off, as we always do, with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to get through, so let's jump straight in. Well, in a few weeks' time, the Mobile World Congress, that's a trade show that's held every year in Barcelona, will get underway, and Tech Guide will be there. I think it kicks off on February the 27th from memory. Tech Guide will be in uh, sunny Barcelona for that event, and one company that's going to be there is Samsung, but what they're, they're not going to be announcing any smartphones, as far as we know. The main announcement is going to be a tablet device from the electronics giant. Now, you've got to remember, Samsung has only just put the Note 7 woes behind it. It Last week, it had a big press conference outlined the the faults that uh, caused the Note 7 issues, which happened to be the battery, not one battery defect, but two battery defects from different factories. Uh, So now that that is out of the way, and they're kind of coming out of that out of those uh, out of those times it's time to look forward and to look a bit little bit more positively at their future and we're talking uh, in the in the short term we're talking about this new tablet the Galaxy Tab S3 in a couple of months time around April we're going to also be talking about the Samsung Galaxy S8 they're the devices, the new smartphones that are going to be launched in April rather than at Mobile World Congress. Last last year, Samsung unveiled the S7 and S7 Edge at Mobile World Congress. This year, I think the company wanted to put a bit more space between the Note 7 explanation and a new device launch, hence the reason why I think they put it back till April. But in the meantime, we are going to see the Galaxy Tab S3 the new tablet device that the company thinks will take on the iPad. Now, you've got to remember, the Tab S2 did come out 
in 2015. So it's been a while between drinks when it comes to tablet releases from Samsung. We heard that the Tab S3 was due to be unveiled at IFA. That's the trade show that's held every year in Berlin in late August, early September. But that just happened to be the time when the Note 7 issues started surfacing. So whether that played a part in Samsung putting it on the back burner till now, we will not know. But that's a that's pretty solid speculation. That may have been the case while for, for the Galaxy Tab S3 to be put on the back burner for a few more months. Well, that time is up. And gladly, in the next two to three weeks, when Mobile World Congress starts, we are going to see this device. And most of the attention from Samsung will be at Mobile World Congress on the Galaxy Tab S3. It's going to be powered by Qualcomm's Snapdragon 820 quad-core processor. It'll be available in two sizes, as was its predecessor, 9.7-inch and 8-inch models. These are going to have super AMOLED displays with resolutions we're expecting to be 2048 by 1536. Now, there hasn't been much in the in way of rumours about the actual physical specs of the device. But bear this in mind, the last model, the Galaxy Tab S2, released back in 2015, in the last third of 2015, at the time when it was released, it was the world's thinnest tablet, and it measured just 5.6 millimetres thick. So you can just imagine we're expecting big things from the Tab S3, perhaps even thinner than the Galaxy Tab S2, but... What might stand in the way of that, of it being even thinner than the Tab S2, was something that DJ Code, Samsung head of mobile devices, said at their press conference about the Note 7 last week. They did say that they were going to leave a little bit more space around batteries, and perhaps that could result in devices from now on from Samsung being maybe a millimetre or two thicker and wider than they were before. So whether they're going to maintain that thickness, whether they're going to go thicker, go even thinner, we'll never know. Well, we will know in a couple of weeks when Mobile World Congress starts. Other specs of note, the device will have 4 gig of RAM, 32 gig of internal storage, as well as, of course, expandable memory card slot, and there'll be a model that will have a SIM card slot so it can connect to 4G as well. There will also, of course, be a fingerprint reader uh, in the home button, and we're expecting USB-C connectivity. This would be the second Samsung device to have USB-C after the Note 7. So hopefully the, this one will have a USB-C as well. Uh, so that way you can just connect your cable without getting it uh, wrong way around. That's one of the advantages. It'll it'll probably charge a little bit faster, transfer data quicker as well. Camera-wise, it's going to have a 12, we're hearing, it's going to have a 12-megapixel rear camera, 5-megapixel front-facing camera. Uh, but again, those specs will not be confirmed until Samsung announces them at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and we will be there to do it. The uh, the Galaxy Tab S3, exciting times. If uh, those specs are true and Samsung has improved from the Tab S2, Tab S2 is still a great tablet, one of the best ta- Android tablets on the market, in my opinion. Tab S3, no doubt, will be better than that. We'll look forward to seeing it. But if you want to read about uh, the story and the reports, the rumors around this device, you can check that all out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
Now, we did mention that uh, Samsung's device was set to take on the iPad. Apple's iPad has, without a doubt, been the runaway leader since it was introduced seven years ago. It's actually seven years to the day, for a couple of days ago, was seven years to the day, when Steve Jobs took to the stage at the Yerba Buenta Center for the Arts in San Francisco. It was January the 28th, 2010, already seven years ago. And he unveiled the iPad. And I should know because I was there. Uh, Tech Guide actually didn't exist back then. I was still working at News Limited and the Daily Telegraph as their technology writer and was uh, over there to cover that on behalf of News Limited and news.com.au. And uh, the device... Which was, you know, the, the event was was uh, was mooted for quite a while. So we did have some notice that the the, the event was coming, uh, and Apple, of course, didn't give away what the event was for. They just said there was a special announcement of a new product, and of course, most of the speculation surrounded a tablet device. The rumours were massive that they were going to actually go down this path. The uh, the and of course our, our expectations were realised. The thing that I found with the with the event was that the first thing Steve Jobs did at the at the uh, keynote, and I've actually linked the, a YouTube video of the keynote uh, that he gave back in 2010. The first thing he did before introducing the iPad itself was justify the fact that there needed to be. There was room in the market for a device that could sit between a laptop and a smartphone. And at the time, netbooks were quite popular. You know, those smaller tablets, uh, smaller, sorry, smaller laptops. So like they were mini laptops that were easy to carry around. They had a little keyboard, a little screen. Uh, but Steve Jobs dismissed these as just being poor and cheaper, poorer and cheaper versions of a laptop. And he thought, well, if something has to fit in between those markets, the smartphone and the laptop markets, it has to be good at a lot of things, good at browsing, good at email, good at viewing photos, good at reading ebooks, listening to music, playing videos. Uh, and the result was, of course, that the best product for that category was, in fact, a tablet. And that's where the iPad was introduced. And uh, that, that is the space it does take up in the market. And what a massive space that is now. The iPad launch back in 2010 really heralded the start of this huge tablet market that is now uh, many companies, including Samsung, Microsoft, Acer, all these other big companies, Lenovo, all have their own tablet devices now as uh, that, that were released after the initial iPad was introduced. That initial iPad, by the way, had a 9.7-inch display. It was uh, it had a 1024 by 768 resolution display. Was 1.34 centimeters thick, which in today's in comparison to today's devices is absolutely massive. But at the time, it was it was sleek and thin and light. It was the first of its kind. So, what what the iPad did was actually bring all of the features of the iPhone, which which had been released three years earlier to a larger device. Now, you've got to remember, there were tablets before the iPad, and it were, these were real niche products. They were big and bulky and really aimed at high-end users who wanted a touch screen and wanted to write on a screen. But what Apple managed to do was to take all that technology and make it into a consumer product. 
And uh, w- what helped them along was the fact that they, were, they had an app store ready to go. It had been established two years earlier. So there were apps that were ready to go for the iPad as well. That, that was the real, that was the secret source that made the iPhone so popular. And then, and then as a result, the iPad so popular was the fact that developers were creating apps specifically for those devices. And, uh, and, and the rest is history. It really, it literally took off uh, in the marketplace after that. The iPad, original iPad was released in 2010. It was released in April in the US, sold 300,000 units in the first day, hit a million in less than a month. Is in Australia, it was released a month and a half, about six weeks later in late May. And uh, store, there, were, there were customers lining up, sleeping outside the Apple Store, waiting to get their hands on it. Since then, of course, we've seen uh, improvement year after year. We've seen now the iPad Air, the iPad Air 2. We've also seen the iPad Minis introduced. They weren't introduced till 2012. Uh, and then we had a, a Mini every year up until 2015, up until the Mini 4, which is still the current Mini model. But then the latest version of the iPad was the iPad Pro with the 12.9-inch screen that was released in September or unveiled in September 2015 and that was followed by a 9.7 iPad Pro in March 2016, less than a year ago. And there are strong rumours that in March, Apple will hold some kind of event, uh, a new iPad uh, to be unveiled. But that uh, that is, is just a rumour at this point. But what isn't a rumour is the fact that the iPad went on to create a huge market, become a huge success, and it is now seven years old. If you want to check out that story, our little retrospective, including a picture of myself holding the original iPad at that event, you can check our story out at techguide.com.au. Now, one of the banes of being a smartphone user with a poor network is it's very hard to make and receive a call. If uh, there's, I don't know about you, but there's been often times when I'm expecting a call or need to make a call, and where I happen to be, the signal strength isn't that crash hot, and it's very hard to make a solid connection. The, you, you have dropouts, and it's very hard for the other person to, to understand you or you to understand them. Every second word's coming through, and that, that's the result, of course, of having a bad signal. Well, Optus has released a new native service that will allow you to make your mobile calls over Wi-Fi. So if you're an Optus customer and you can access, you've got access to Wi-Fi services, whether it's at home or public Wi-Fi, you can make and receive calls over Wi-Fi if the network signal isn't strong enough. Now, there has been an Optus Wi-Fi talk app already in the market. And that works pretty well. If you're on on Wi-Fi, you can use it. But this is a new service. This is a a native service, they're calling it. So it'll be a little bit more seamless. Rather than you having to actually select the app to make the call, what's going to happen now with this native feature in in compatible devices is that the phone will decide whether what would be the best way to make the call. Uh, in this in this instance, the only devices that support this technology at the moment are the Samsung Galaxy S7 and the Galaxy S7 Edge. There will, of course, be a flood of other compatible handsets with this technology built in. 
but Optus is giving customers the option of using this feature with the S7 and S7 Edge right now. And of course, Samsung were only too happy to commit to working with Optus, which is a partner of theirs, a customer of theirs in the market, to offer this feature to their customers. And uh, they did actually collaborate with with Optus to uh, to to create that possibility with the launch of that voice over Wi-Fi service. But without a doubt, we're going to see a lot more products to support this and perhaps even more networks offering the same deal. Uh, you may, may have, if you talk to other customers from other networks, perhaps you talk to Telstra customers, their answer to you might be, well, we don't need a Wi-Fi calling over Wi-Fi because the network is so strong. Well, not always. You don't always have the strongest signal, and each network has their strengths and has their weaknesses. They do have very, very wide coverage, including Vodafone. Let's talk about all of them. And uh, there are spots on the network that could use a little bit of help. And uh, if this feature is available for you to use Wi-Fi, which may be uh, stronger than any other signal that you have, then calling over Wi-Fi could really, really solve a problem. If you want to read more about our story about Optus's new Wi-Fi, native Wi-Fi calling, you can check our report out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, while public Wi-Fi to airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it is not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos, credit card details, to hackers and identity thieves? Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, you can keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Our first review this week is from Sony, the Sony MDR-1000X noise cancelling headphones. Now, I'll say right off the bat, these are probably one of the best noise cancelling headphones I've ever listened to. And uh, that, that the reason I'm saying that, is, there's a number of reasons why, and I will explain, but Sony has always had a solid background when it comes to producing audio products, and they've just built on that and added some more technology to come up with the MDR-1000X noise-canceling headphones. This is the company, don't forget, Sony invented the Walkman. They kind of redefined, they reinvented portable audio. And this new set of headphones, if you're an audio lover, you love your music, you love high-quality sound, then the Sony headphones are destined to destined for you. They're designed just for you. Now, I'm going to say straight off the bat as well, they're not cheap. These are $699.95 headphones. Let's call it 700 bucks for a pair of headphones. That's actually $200 more than the Bose QC35s. Also wireless. I did. I didn't mention the Sony MDR-1000X are wireless uh, noise cancelling speaker uh, headphones. As are Bose's excellent QC35s. But are Sony's MDRs, which are two hundred dollars more, worth the money? 
Are they worth $200 more than the new Bose QC35s or newish QC35s from Bose? Well, you decide for yourself. Let's talk a little bit more about it, and I will give you the reasons why this Sony headphones are a little bit more expensive. First up, on the design side, these are really nice-looking headphones. They're not, they're not plasticky. They don't look cheap. They've got really nice build quality. They've got nice soft leather finish uh, on the ear cups. They've got really nice soft ear cups, uh, ear pads, and headband, so you can wear this for hours. You could wear this on a flight across from Sydney to London and still be comfortable. You can wear it on a morning commute. So no matter how long you're wearing them for, the comfort is always going to be there. And and the good thing is when you're finished listening, they fold down to quite a little storage case. They come with a case. You put them in the case. If you're traveling on the bus or on a plane, really easy to take with you. And being wireless, there's a built-in battery, but we'll talk about that in a moment. The star of the show here is the noise cancellation. I thought Bose's noise cancellation had no rival until I listened to the new Sony MDR-1000X headphones. Not only does it have excellent noise cancellation, it, 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 it picks up its noise cancellation from interior and exterior microphones that can pick up everything, low-frequency noises, mid- and high-frequency sounds, and then offsets them with a, with a reverse signal so that what you get is pure silence. It's very, very hard to find a better noise cancellation on the market today. But it doesn't end there. What I really like about it is that you get control over the noise cancellation. So if you want complete noise cancellation, you got it. If you still want to hear some outside sounds like your flight being announced at, uh, at the airport or someone talking to you, you can choose other modes of the noise cancellation like voice mode, normal mode, it even has an optimizer feature so that this the, the headphones can tune the noise the level of noise cancellation to how you wear the headphones, the size and shape of your head. It does this by sending out test tones to establish whether you've got a lot of hair, whether you're wearing glasses, no hair. It, it uses all this information to come up with better noise cancellation for you. That, that varies to, for every different user. This customizes it to you. So not only was the noise cancellation brilliant when it's going at, at at its full pace, it is adaptable to suit what you what you want to do. Whether you want to hear some traffic, you might be walking beside a road, you want to hear traffic beside you, or you want to hear someone talking to you. There are those possibilities as well. What what else, what else also enhances these headphones? What makes them so special is the the features built in. And there's a lot of features at your fingertips, literally at your fingertips. So you can actually put your device away and have complete control over your music, over your phone calls, over the level of noise cancellation. All of these things are at your fingertips. Uh, so one one great feature is on the right ear cup is a is a area where the, that you can swipe for gesture control. So you just if you just want to turn the volume up, you simply swipe upwards. If you want to navigate your music, you swipe to the left to the right. If you want to just stop the music straight away without taking off the headphones, so you can hear someone speaking to you, all you need to do is actually cover the right ear cup with your hand. Music stops straight away. As soon as you take your hand away, it'll resume once again. 
These are the little features. Add the noise cancellation features. Add these little features. These are the reasons why this pair of headphones are slightly more expensive than the Bose. And I haven't even got to the audio quality yet, which I'm going to talk about right now. So already, this is a great pair of headphones. Great noise cancellation. Great features. Easy controls. Now, the audio quality is what sets this, what knocks it out of the park. Not It has excellent quality it's got a 40 millimeter driver that can handle all ranges of frequencies easily so whether you hear all that detail mid high range frequencies it's got it covered you can hear tremendous depth and and clarity of your music the bass is perfect doesn't drown out anything it's not overpowering as some other brands are i think a lot of brands aimed at younger users younger customers really pump up the bass this gives a great balanced sound and and the good thing about it is that yes it'll sound great listening to spotify or apple music or anything else but it also it's built for high res audio so if you've got a library of high res audio tracks or want to make one these headphones are perfect for you but not only that, if you've got high-res audio, that's terrific. But if you don't, this has an upscaling feature. So you can take your regular MP3s, ACCs, WMA, digital musical files, and it will bring it up to close to high-res audio quality. Not only that, Sony's also got its LDAC technology, which allows more information to be streamed using regular Bluetooth. So that the more information you can stream, the better, the, the more information, the better the sound uh, and the better it's the quality of the audio. There's more sound, more information being transferred using that LDAC and you're getting a much better result as well. On the battery side, you're going to get about 20 hours using it in noise cancellation mode, 22 hours if you want to use it regularly. It does come with a cable. If you do run out of battery, you can just plug it into your device, if it does have a headphone jack, that is, uh, and listen to your music as you normally would. The the MDRX, MDR1000X, as I said, they're five cents short of 700 bucks. But uh, I think when you look at its nearest competitor, look at the Bose QC35. It's probably the nearest uh, in the ballpark there. A couple hundred dollars cheaper. Doesn't have all the features the Sony has. Comparable on audio quality. Doesn't have high-res audio. Doesn't have uh, high-res audio upscaling either. Those touch controls are not on the Bose either. They're the reasons why the Sony headphones are slightly more expensive. You are getting more for your money and excellent quality at the same time. The Sony MDR-1000X, we've reviewed them. They're one of the best noise-canceling headphones we think money can buy. So if you want to read our full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Next up on the show, we're going to talk about a new smartphone from Oppo, the Oppo R9S. It's available this week on a plan or through retailers. It's $598. This is a follow-up to last year's R9. So the R9S is the latest model. The R9 was a bit of a breakthrough product, I think, for Oppo. It really gave them some traction in the market for a couple of reasons. It was a good device. But the thing that stuck out for us was it looked like an iPhone. It really, at first glance, you think, wow, that is exactly like an iPhone. The R9S 
has is virtually identical. So it does still look like an iPhone, like an iPhone 7. So not only are you getting a device that looks like an iPhone, it is it is really well designed, very thin. I think it's only 6.58 millimetres thick. So not only are you getting a well, a, a well-designed device, it does actually feel pretty nice in the hand, very thin, very sleek. It is a built-in screen protector too. You, there's a screen protector uh, on the device already, so you don't have to worry about buying one. There's also a case in the box as well. So you've got case and screen protector in included in the price. But not only does it look like an iPhone from the outside, it also looks like an iPhone on the inside. The Color OS 3 interface, which sits on top of Android 6.0 operating system, does look a lot like iOS. So it does really take a leaf out of Apple's book there. The iOS uh, app layout, app uh, appearance, and the screens, home screens and settings and all that, it looks a lot like an iPhone. So that is, uh, you know... Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, as they say. Uh, and in here, Oppo is really flattering Apple quite a bit. But one thing Apple uh, Oppo hasn't covered, hasn't copied, is the price. Uh, it is five hundred and ninety-eight bucks, which is half the price of an iPhone Seven. It's got a five-point-five-inch full HD screen, uh, and as I said, just six-point-five-eight millimeters thick, and available in gold and black. It's got a SIM card tray that can take two SIM cards. So if you've got a work SIM and a, and a private SIM, you can run them both on the same device. Instead of having to carry two phones, you can do that. Uh, if you want to expand the onboard 64 gig memory, you can then uh, you can choose to not use the second SIM card slot and use a memory card in that spot instead. So you can expand the memory if that's what you want to do. It is powered by an octa-core processor. It's got 4 gig of RAM, 64 gig onboard storage, expandable if you want. And it is, a, it is spec-wise, pretty impressive. It, it does work really well in terms of being really snappy performance. Apps open up really nicely. Those sort of high-end gaming apps. You can run it on the device. It, it, it may struggle a little, but uh, it, it, it's pretty impressive for the price. Now, on the camera side, that's a really big attraction for this device, I think. The camera on this is 16-megapixel front camera and a 16-megapixel rear camera. So it's the same resolution front and back of the camera. So if you love taking your selfies and your normal photos, the Oppo R9S is a great choice. It's actually powered by a Sony IMX398 sensor. That's the main rear camera. And it does take some decent photos. And if you're shooting in low light, even it, it does do a pretty good job. You can even shoot 4K video. And if you do love your selfies, as I said, you get the same 16 megapixel resolution. There's also a really cool beauty mode, so it sort of removes some lines and blemishes to make it look pretty good. But uh, for 598 bucks, so the R9s is uh, is pretty good. It's got a fingerprint reader as well for added security. And I've got to say, one of the fastest fingerprint readers I've used on a smartphone. It is lightning. I think it's faster than the iPhone. It is instant. Well, for you to unlock this device, you can program, you can register up to five fingers with the uh, with the iPhone with the uh, sorry the fingerprint reader. It does a terrific job. Battery wise, lasted easily a day, day and a third. Uh, for casual users, it may even go through to two days. So that, that's pretty good. What, what you won't find, there's no NFC uh, on board either. So uh, things like uh, Android Pay, uh, you, might, you won't be able to use because it doesn't have NFC. But uh, that's probably one of, only one of the few things we found that we didn't like about the device. The rest is pretty cool. 598 bucks. I think that's pretty good value. It's another, another good mid-tier device, a very popular part of the market, the Oppo R9S. If you want to check out our review, you can do that at techguide.com.au. 
Now, while we're on the subject of smartphones, uh, and in particular iPhones, it's a good idea to to buy a cover for your device. Uh, the, the Oppo R9S that we discussed before comes with a cover. I don't think there are many companies that are going to go into production making Oppo R9S cases. So what does Oppo do? They included one. It's a nice, soft, silicon, clear case, so you can still see your device and protect it at the same time. But if, you, uh, if you're an iPhone user, and in particular an iPhone 7 user, there are an extraordinary number of choices when it comes to picking a phone case. And Element has come up with some luxury choices. These these covers really do showcase the design. They do look good on their own. They also protect the device, of course, uh, and they, uh, they're they made of premium materials. And so hence the reason why we're calling these luxury cases. Element has always been the company that produces these high-end cases made of leather and metal and, and all these different materials to really make this the cases stand out to protect your prized iPhone 7. There's two collections. There's a Luxe collection, and there's also an Adrenaline collection. In the Luxe collection, you got the Aura. Now, this is uh, the, the cheapest on the, on the, of the uh, cases, $59.95. It's got a, a removable quick-lock crown system and high-gloss soft-touch satin finish and does meet military specifications for drop-test standards. So while it looks great, it will still protect your phone if you drop it. Also in the in the Lux collection is the Solace LX. Now this is made from premium grade leather. Now this case, which I'm actually I've got on my iPhone 7 Plus right now, you actually have to use a little screwdriver that comes with the case to remove the top and bottom parts of the case to remove the iPhone. Once you place the iPhone in and then put the metal clips top and bottom, they need to be screwed into place so that your iPhone is locked inside. Uh, it is really nicely made, luxury coating, polished anodized crowns, made from aircraft-grade aluminium. The Solace LX is $129.95. It's available in black, white, and gold. Moving on to the Adrenaline Collection. Now, these are a bit more aggressive-looking designs. The CFX case is the entry-level, $59.95. It uses Merc 3 technology, and that's got aerospace-grade carbon fibre and a polycarbonate chassis. Uh, it's available in black, white, orange, and white and red. Uh, really impressive. Very thin case, but still offering that military-grade protection. Moving on to the sector. Now, this uses Merck 4 technology, so we're assuming that's stronger technology. Combines engineered composite and alloy material with anodized side rails and removable quick-lock crown system. It's made of the... Look, at first glance, oh, oh, the, the one, the version I've got, has got the red edges... It's got the carbon fibre. It looks like the same material that you'd make a Ferrari out of. It's really impressive. Available in red, carbon, and citron, which is a green colour. And at the t- and the the sector case is one seventy nine ninety five. Moving on to the the king of all cases for Element is the Black Ops case. This uses Merc Five technology. It's got composite and alloy materials, aircraft grade aluminium side rails, a G ten reinforced back plate. So this has got a removable clip, so if you want to wear it on a belt. It also has a separate bag. If you want to put this inside a little bag for added protection, you also get that as well. It's available only in one color in black. It's $249.95 and the best quality case you can buy for the iPhone 7. Element, they're always in their element when they're making cases for the iPhone. If you want to check out these luxury cases, you can do so. 
techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. We live in a world where our connected devices have become an indispensable tool in our lives. Introducing the Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Wi-Fi Router. Built using the latest in Wi-Fi technology, the X10 allows users to get faster Wi-Fi speeds on multiple devices simultaneously and is perfect for 4K streaming, VR and super fast data transfers. The X10 features the latest 11 AC and 11 an AD network technology allowing users to wirelessly transfer data at 4.6 gigabits per second. This means your 4K video will take seconds, not minutes, to transfer. The Nighthawk X10 smart Wi-Fi router is also built to meet the needs of today's connected home. From connected deadbolts, smart lights or Arlo Wi-Fi cameras, the four powered active antennas reduce interference and intelligently direct Wi-Fi across large distances. The Nighthawk X10 is also the first router with the Plex media server built in. The Plex organises all of your video, music and photos collections and gives you instant access to your content using an always-on router. Wirelessly stream 4K video to any device, jitter-free for the ultimate family movie night. The Netgear Nighthawk X10 smart router contains a quad-core process of unparalleled speed and power to keep up with your fast-paced lifestyle. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. AU Nighthawk X10, the world's fastest Wi-Fi router. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A couple of quick ones in the Tech Guide Help Desk. The first one was a question we had from one of our listeners and readers. We uh, were, she was asking about HDMI cables, and I think she asked about just connecting her laptop to a TV to watch Netflix and what kind of a HDMI cable she needed. I said, look, if you're only using full HD, you can use any kind of cable, HDMI. But if you're moving up to 4K, you do need to have a better cable, a HDMI 2 cable, which is capable of transferring content at higher speeds. A lot of people are wondering why they've got a 4K player, they've got a 4K TV, and can't play their content is because probably the cable's old and not up to the speed of transfer of content along the cable. So best to upgrade to a new HDMI 2.0. We are going to have some stuff on Tech Guide about helping people find the right cables to do the right jobs when they're watching their content. Moving along, we also had a question from a reader asking about the Android Auto app. Now, Android Auto is available in the latest cars, but what if you've got an older car and you want to use Android Auto now? Well, what you can do if you've got an, if you've got an Android device running Android 5.0 and later, you can actually download the Android Auto app and just place it on your in your car in a holder, and it will give you a similar experience to having Android Auto installed in your car. So, if you're an Android user and you're running Android 5.0, you can run Android Auto, the app, on your smartphone, no matter how old your car is. So, if you can't, if you haven't got a brand new car which has got Android Auto built in, you can use Android Auto on your smartphone as long as it's running Android 5.0, and you download the app and run it on your device. Actually, we have written about that. You can hear all about Android Auto at TechGuide.com.au. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can read about everything that we've talked about, though, at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Stephen Fennec, and that's Stephen spelt with a PH. I will respond if you send me a tweet. Special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And a shout-out also to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week for episode 235. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.